Welcome to Grace River Church, located in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Our mission is to see every generation experience the transforming power of God in every area of their lives. We hope you enjoy today's message. A new sermon series this morning. I'll write this down. Um, we're going to be reading out of the book of Revelations in just a moment, but I, I just want to start by saying this is not a study of the book of Revelations. Um, some people, when we start reading from Revelations, their palms get a little sweaty. And they think we're going to get caught up in this dispensationalism discussion, pre, mid, post. Um, the reality is this. <clears throat> Revelations is not very difficult just to read and try to understand that what, once again, God is saying um, is very prophetic, but once again, God is saying through, through John, um, some things are going to happen. But listen, they shouldn't be unfamiliar things. There are things that have been happening throughout history that we'll look at this morning. But, but the bottom line, it's, it's sort of like we talked about this morning. Josh opened up. Um, with prayer after the worship this morning, and we've sung about it a little bit in every song. He's the Lion of Judah. He is faithful. He has power. Um, he's called us back. There's power in his name. There's no rival. There's no equal. But here's the reality. <clears throat> we either believe that, or we don't. We either, we either trust that, or we do not. Now, I'm not um, to the place where I know that every, any given Sunday morning, there are people here that may or may not believe. And that's okay. You're in a good place. You're in a safe place. Because I always love to just try to plant seed because the Holy Spirit does the work. But what I would encourage you to do, and I believe Oliver Wendell Holmes said it like this, a mind that is engaged with change can never be the same again. So, so just when, when you're hearing the word of God this morning, I'm praying that, that as we write some things down, I'll, I'll explain that in a moment, that really the, the challenge of trusting God. Can I just say this before we just de, de, dig in a little bit further? The reason most of us are a little bit stressed out all the time is because we're trusting ourselves. Our trust is in us. Our trust in, is in my abilities. Well, if I had to trust in my abilities, I'd be nervous too. If I had to trust everything in my own strength. Now, we live in a culture, right, that we're from birth. We're told and we're driven, we're educated to be self-sufficient, right? Independent mindset. We're told, our parents tell us all the time, you can be anything you want to be. So, you know, true confessions. We think our fathers are the strongest men in the world right up until about like age six. Okay? So you, you need to keep milking this for a while, right? We, we, why? Because we live in a culture that from, from the time we're children, we're taught you can trust in these things. So build your life on these things. And little by little as we grow and as we mature and as we get older, that trust is just chipped away little by little. Why? Because all those things we were told to trust in don't work. And the reason we stay a little bit frustrated, am I making any sense? The reason we stay a little bit frustrated, <clears throat> a little dismayed, a little bit, I'm not sure if this 
church thing is real, that's okay. Um, God's word tells us that even prophetically in the very end, when all things are made new, he still encourages us to trust him. Because it hasn't happened yet, but you have to trust him. Let's read this. I'm going to start reading. <laughs> in chapter 21, verse 1 through 7, John says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. See, in the end, it's all going to be like it was supposed to be in the beginning. He will dwell with us, with us, and we will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. <clears throat> I, I ask permission, because Christina's here this morning. <clears throat> and as many of you know, we've been praying for Tom. Tom passed away this last week. But, but, but really, Tom lives. And Christina, we're going to be praying continually for you and the family because I know that you're walking through a very difficult time. But I just want to encourage you that you can trust him. There's coming a day where there's no more tears, no more death, no more pain, no more suffering. And, and then the word of God takes a little bit of a turn here. He says, because... Behold, I am making all things new. I'm making all things new. And also, he said, write this down. Any of you old enough to remember what that meant? If a teacher said or if a parent said, before technology was involved, write this down. Now, I know what it meant for me in, in my family, in my home. Here's what my mom or dad was saying to me. <laughs> you got one more chance to get this, or you got problems. So write it down this time. Write it down. He says, write this down. What was he saying? <clears throat> for these words, what you're getting ready to hear, what you've been hearing, these words are trustworthy and true. Write this down. And then he said to me, it is done. It is done. I'm the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the testable, as for the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and the liars, all portion will be held in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Okay. Everybody encouraged? Now, now where, where are we going with this? <clears throat> Most of you know that last Saturday was the 50th anniversary of Apollo 11 landing on the moon. Um, out of sheer ignorance on my part, 
I, I really did not know a lot of the detailed history, but Diane really encouraged me to sit down and watch a lot of the material they had put together because a lot of people still think that was all a big setup. But the reality is, Apollo 11 did go and land on the moon. But what, what I found was interesting is that one of the astronauts, Aldrin, asked his church to allow him to take communion. And he did. They were a little concerned about it. The space program was a little concerned about it because if you, can, if you know a little bit about the history about the NASA program, when they sent up Apollo 8, that was the one where they were orbiting the Earth. And if you remember this during the Christmas season, they read the creation story live on television where people listen all over the world to hear Genesis being read in the beginning. God. Well, there were people that went nuts about that. Because if you're atheist, you don't believe that, right? And that shouldn't be projected from outer space. God's not in space. On the other hand, almost every astronaut that goes will tell you there's a, a life-changing experience that takes place, and it's not just getting back alive. It's, there's understanding. Um, one of the gentlemen that went after Apollo 11 landed on the moon, he came back, had such an altering experience that after he retired from the Navy, started a ministry full-time. Now, when I say that, what does that got to do with, with what we're talking about this morning? At some point, you have to understand that with everything going on in life, there are life-changing events taking place that, that in the moment that they're taking place, we don't even think it's happening. Because we sort of get stuck in our own there. We get stuck in our own circumstances right there. We don't even know people are orbiting the planet, if you will. We don't know that God is doing something great over here because we're sort of stuck right there. But it all leads back to this. When, when everything is going on around you and you think God doesn't exist or you think things are out of control or I used to believe, but now I'm not sure if I believe anymore, God's still patiently saying, trust me. Trust me. And he looks to John and says, write this down. Now, why is it important to write things down? <clears throat> I'm going to sound a little old school for just a few minutes. Is that okay? I mean, I'm not old, but with my age, some of you will allow it, right? Let me tell you what writing does. I know in the age of technology, this isn't going to go over too big. But <clears throat> here's the reality. If you're a student and you sit in class, they did tests from Harvard to USC. In the last 50 years, what they've discovered, especially as we moved into the age of technology, um, I, I know some of you are, are teachers and teach at higher levels of education, and I, I teach a couple classes here and there, and what I've learned is <laughs> most students come in, and they're always on their computers, the whole class, typing away. Now, true confessions, you ready? I already know you're not on the class half the time. Okay, that's just called distraction. But here's, here's one of the first requests that almost every student that I teach gives me. Can I get the PowerPoint? When are you going to download the PowerPoint? Now, if you're a college student, you don't have to confess this. When, when can I get the PowerPoint? Now, why? As soon as they ask me that, I know what they're saying. We don't plan on studying. We don't plan on taking any notes. 
We just want to know when the quizzes are so we can cruise through the PowerPoint, highlight the answers, and be done with your class. That's just the first thing. Now, I'm saying that. Why? Because we think that that's the answer. Give me the PowerPoints to life. And see, if, if God just wanted us to have the PowerPoints, now we have the written word, and we need to get the word in us, but if he just wanted us to have the PowerPoints, um, we probably could get through, because I think most of us here would agree that we've, we've matured into a culture where we don't know how, we don't care how the food is cooked, where's the start button? We don't care, it, we don't care even what the package looks like. Some of my most favorite meals now, uh, uh, Diane's upstairs, but I don't even know what they're called. But they come in a little bowl that's made out of paper. And you just stick it in the microwave for four minutes, and it's done, and it's delicious. I can't even tell you what's in it. That's sad. But here's the reality. Some of us, if we're not careful, become that one-button one button Christian. We don't know what's in it. We just want to be able to press that button and get results. See, God in his loving way, is, when he says, John, write this down, because here's, here's what writing does. Writing moves you from typing down words, talking to technology now. Because in all these tests that they took, what they discovered, when they tested people who typed notes and people who took handwritten notes, two things they discovered very quickly. The people who typed notes had a lot more notes. <clears throat> because they were diligent about getting every word. But when tested on it, could not answer the majority of the questions. Why? Because when you handwrite something, now I'm, I'm, I told you it was old school. Give me 30 more seconds. When you handwrite something, you have to process it. So now it moves from, um, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and you're typing that out. Does this make sense? So now when I have to write it, in the beginning, God created it. I'm having to process that. And I might only get three words on the paper. But I know what they mean. I know what they mean. Now, why is that important? <clears throat> writing, writing it down means we're not here to go through a series. We're here to get God's word through us. To get some processes through us. Um, I know... I'm going to rub some of you a little wrong this morning, so we'll hurry. Because I, I know there's a part of me as a pastor that when I, when I preach or when I teach, I tell you this all the time, I have to live this, so I'm not preaching from a pinnacle. But I, I am telling you that I have to preach this. I have to teach it. Because the last thing I would want somebody to do is put their trust into something that doesn't really give them stability. So when, when he says, I want you to write this down, these words are trustworthy and they're true. What, what exactly is he talking about? Writing it down, it, writing things down helps you record things that have your attention. Now, for some of us, that's not good because our attention is like a door. <laughs> it's swinging back and forth all the time, right? Or it's that urgent thing that always happens right in front of you. But guess what writing things down do? Writing things down calls you to give the right things the right attention. Writing things down helps you clear your mind. 
Man, I could just stick on this list here and not even get to the rest of my message today. And I know it would help someone. This isn't Leadership 101. This is God. We need to clear our minds of all the stuff, all the distractions. Listen, number three, writing things down helps clarify your goals and your priorities and your intentions. Don't you, help, don't you hate going to those motivational things where they're like, hey, three easy steps to making all your dreams come true for $5.99 a month. And the reality is, all they get you to do is hash your life out, write stuff down, and then try to live by it. The reality is, and even in most of those situations, most people are pressured into coming up with a plan for their life. Have you ever been there? All right, we're not leaving this room until you have a vision for your life. Okay, my vision is to leave this room. <laughs> right? It's, it's one of those things where sometimes we feel a lot of pressure to have the dreams that God has birthed in us, and we start writing down things that really aren't even for us. That's why they don't get lived out. Because when it's not for you, you won't do it. When it's not your passion, you might do it out of spite, but it won't be fun. And so he says, write these things down. Uh, write things down to help you stay motivated. We just sort of answered that one. Write things down to help you recognize and process your emotions. That's a big one. I, and I, I prefer that you do it before you get on Facebook. Now, you don't, I'm not your boss. I'm just, this is just advice. Because once it gets out there, <laughs> writing things down encourages daily process and progress. Writing things down, <clears throat> you're in good company. Um, Tony Robbins, Oprah, if you care. Um, other leadership gurus, but again, more importantly, God. Two more things very quickly. Writing things down enable a higher level of thinking and therefore more focused action. Um, I, I love it when in 1961, John F. Kennedy stands up and says, we're going to put a man on the moon. This is before a man has ever been put on the moon. They say over 400,000 people over the next several years were responsible for landing that spaceship on the moon. 400,000 people that before real technology had ever kicked in were carrying around. Were you ever one of those guys that had a thing in their pocket with like 18 pens and pencils? Remember those guys? I mean, I would see them when I was younger. And I, I, I could do my whole life with one a half of a pencil. Who needs that many pens and pencils? It, it's people who were putting that spaceship together who needs that many pens and pencils because they wrote everything out meticulously. Not just for others to follow, but if things didn't work, they were making sure things were going in the right direction. Nobody ever complained. Who wrote this spaceship stuff? I want to do it my way. And then sit at the top of about 18 tons of rocket fuel having confidence in your way. Anybody? But, but when you know that people have put that kind of time, and I'm saying that when people have put that kind of time and that kind of detail and that kind of emotional process in putting stuff together, can I tell you that the creator of all of heaven and earth is who gave the word to people to put on paper for you and I to read 
for you and I to take in, for you and I to live out, not for a bunch of lists of rules and regulations that God could follow you around and say, well, you missed that one too. We, you're, you're just not going to make it, John. You missed that one too. God's not a thumper. God is love. He gives you a road map to trust him. Now, this, this, very, this is going to be very elementary this morning because I'm, I'm really laying some foundation for the next few weeks. But see, here's, here's what he's saying when he's writing it down. He's saying there's, there's an aspect of your life that seems out of control. There's aspects of your life that seem that there's never an answer. There's parts of your life that always feel empty. Or there's parts of your life that always feel broken. When you look back over the, the Word of God, you see a common thread of God's people. God is constantly reminding them. And I'm not taking the time this morning to get all to, the, to Isaiah and Jeremiah and many of the prophets that speak to this because the reality is it's throughout the Word of God. God's people fall into situations that either out of their sin or out of their brokenness, they cry out to God. God sends a prophet. A prophet comes along and says, you stubborn nuts. You crazy people. Don't you get it? And in hindsight, it's just as silly for someone to have said, well, we had the, the book we had the directions, but I wanted to go to the moon my way. Now, doesn't that sound ridiculous? Even by modern-day technology terms. Now, here's the reality, though. God says, to those who don't want to get it right, don't worry. You won't. And he's not saying that out of arrogance. That is not arrogance. That's saying you want to do it your way? Okay. But your way won't get you there. But if you do it my way, it's not arrogance. See, some of us, it still feels like, a, who does God think he is? Did you just hear yourself? Who does God think he is? He's God. He's God. And he really does hold this world in his hands. He really does hold everything you think about, everything you dream about. Every, you see, the reality is God put it in you. And he wants us to steward what he is doing. Now, I wonder what it would look like if we said, God, I'm going to trust you. Because God says in the, final, in the final analysis, when it's all said and done, life here may seem out of control. But I love what he says when he says, write it down. What's the next statement? It's trustworthy. You can trust in. But then what's the next statement? It's done. It's done. Three things very quickly. It's 10.58. How many believe out of, we can be out of here by? <laughs> 11.25. All right? I promise you. Here's three things we can trust about this. You don't trust what I just said, but here's, here's three things you can trust about what God says. You can trust him. It's not about men especially. Listen, and, and ladies too, but men especially. This isn't about you have to be able to trust yourself or you're not strong or you're not capable. 
That has nothing to do with it. Many of you in this room are incredibly qualified, strong, resilient, powerful. But you know what it is to come up against something that you cannot do it in your own strength. You don't cower away and say, I can't do this. You realize that there's something greater you have to trust in. It's really, it, it, it almost takes, it's so easy to trust in God. That's why a child can do it. It's when we start thinking that we can do it on our own, that we steadily get away from trusting him and begin trusting our circumstances. And then it's a little bit more embarrassing if we're honest. I'm sorry, if I'm honest. If I'm honest with myself, it gets incredibly embarrassing to admit I was relying on myself, but I'm going to go back over here because I'm not the man I thought I was. No, it's just not, you're, you're not the man you used to be. You're redeemed. You're redeemed. Because when you think you can do it on your own, you're still blind. You're still lost. But, but he says, I'm doing a new thing. And this new thing that I'm doing, I want you to trust it. And you can trust it because, number one, it's over. Now, now I'm being very serious. Write this down. Somewhere. But when you write this down, three things very quickly. Trust that he has started this work and he will complete this work. Now, I'm not going where you think I am, some of you. But here's what I want to touch on very quickly. He is a creator of all heaven and earth. What he started, Satan came in and attempted to take. Destroyed his relationship with us and God. And we have been living in this um, broken state ever since waiting for this time when he will again will make all things new what does that mean for us in between <clears throat> John chapter 1 John starts writing the book of John by saying this in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and without him nothing was made that was made and then verse 14 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That means Jesus. Jesus came to us. Can I tell you that it's always been God's desire to be with us? We always think about us, man, I can't wait to go to heaven. It's really more like God can't wait to get to us. Now, don't, get, don't think too special about yourself. He just, he loves us. But it's, it's more about us understanding that what he started, he had already completed. Because not only did he come because there's no way we could get to him, he lived a sinless life, and when he died and gave himself as a sacrifice at Calvary, through the shedding of blood, our sins are forgiven, relationship is restored. And see, it's not, it's not just your sins are forgiven. I've talked about this many times, and... And I say it jokingly, but unfortunately, it's a very serious thing. Here's the reality. A lot of us are raised thinking, if I commit a sin, I'm going to hell. It's not that you, don't, it's not that you have sin in your life. It's that you don't have the right relationship in your life. Your relationship with Jesus Christ is what's important. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. And some of us are very good. But here's, here's the reality. 
through the blood of Jesus Christ, you have redemption and relationship once again with God. See, <clears throat> Paul spends so much time in his writings trying to get the people to understand this isn't about you being perfect. You failed at that a long time ago. This is about you knowing Jesus. Because if you know him, everything's paid for. It's done. That's why the last words Jesus speaks on the cross were, it is finished. My mission is complete. The blood has been shed. Lives can be saved. He said, well, Pastor, I do. I, I, I believe that. I believe God has saved me from my sins. But I, I really, I have a lot of struggles in this life. What were you thinking? Were you really thinking that when you gave your life to Christ, all the struggles would disappear? No. But he wants us to trust him that even if things don't really change a lot with our circumstances, that's not what gives me happiness. My, my joy is in the Lord and what he's done for me. Now I can, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean it's going to be always fun. Man, doing life with Pastor John is not real fun. No, I'm not going out looking for struggles. But don't you just love hanging around people who all they're looking for is no struggles? They don't exist. A life with no struggle means no growth. A life with no pain means you don't know how to have victory. You know, you want to have real victory? Get a little bit of pain involved. You'll appreciate victory. On the other hand, he wants us to just trust him that even in the midst of the darkest hours, even in the midst of the most difficult moments, he's there. Sometimes, um, I almost hesitate to say this, but sometimes when I'm going through very difficult circumstances, I almost try to get Jesus to once again, God, would you please through your Holy Spirit just whisper to me one more time, you're going to make it. And he, he never has. Not those words. But here's what he does. You know I am. You read it. Go read it again. Lord, I don't want to go write it down this time. Sure, I know men, listen, I'm one of you. When you tell a man to journal, he would rather pull his own teeth. Whenever you t I tell students, hey, this, this one assignment, you'll get an easy A if you'll just journal. Even getting an easy A, all the guys are like, can you, can, you, can you find a journal online that's already filled out? Because we just don't like, we don't like, maybe it's because we're not always emotional creatures and, and usually our journaling is our to-do list. Can I get an amen? My journal is, you know, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. But here, here's sometimes how I know God speaks to me when I sit down and I may just write through that scripture or as I'm praying through that scripture and then I, that's when I hear God speaking through his word. You know I am. I am that I am. I'm the Alpha. John, John, I started this thing, man. Think about what you're going through right now, guys. Listen to him saying to you, I started this. 
You're not the first one who's ever experienced pain. You're not the first one who's ever experienced loss. You're not the first, but I promise you, there's coming a day when I'll finish it. And prophetically speaking, he says, write this down. Tell them to trust the fact that it is done. But I want to close by this. In Colossians 1, 23, Paul is talking about a mystery. He said there's this powerful mystery of how the Bible is taken to the Gentiles and then we are able to see lives brought to maturity to Jesus Christ. And here's what that mystery is. It's not that we can trust ourselves. It's not that, man, we get really good at knowing Jesus and then we're able to tell other people about Jesus and then something clicks and they all love Jesus. No, it's Christ in you hope of glory here's here's why he says trust this I'm with you I'm in you that thing that you're going through you're not by yourself I'm right with you those circumstances you're walking through right now you're not walking through them by yourself I know there's some dark hours where you're saying God where are you and once again I think sometimes he sort of just smiles because he's right there all of us have parents, as parents, you've experienced this. Maybe not. But I, I know a lot of parents, you've experienced that little baby, and as soon as, soon as you get them home, the, if that little baby just giggles or cries a little bit, every adult in the house is in the bedroom. But how, honestly, how many of you know what happens by the third child? Right? That baby will be screaming, he'll be fine. As a matter of fact, can, can we shut the doors? We don't even need the monitor anymore, do we? Can we just, just turn off the monitor? We can finally get some sleep. Because we know, trust me, they're going to make it. Now, I know some of you are going, oh, we need to call social services. Where are our children right now? <laughs> don't worry, they're upstairs being monitored. I'm just kidding. Um, here's, here's the reality. What, what does it mean for us to know that he's with us? Life gets dark. Um, life is broken at times. But he doesn't, he doesn't leave us in our brokenness. Even, listen guys, there's some of us in here that we, you don't have to tell everybody, you don't have to confess to us. But maybe you're walking through brokenness that you know, it's your fault. You messed up. I messed up big time. I deserve what I get. Listen, no one in here has really gotten what they deserve. But maybe it's easy to beat yourself up and that makes you feel better. Here's the reality. I, I want you just to trust that he meets you in your brokenness. I want you to trust that he loves you more than you think he loves you. I want you to believe that, that he loves you so much that even when you think you're standing on your own, there's a part of God, I, I just sense in my spirit sometimes that he's like, he thinks he's standing on his own, but he's still right in the palm of my hand. See, that's what happens to trust too, and I'm closing. That's what happens to trust too. If we're not careful, we trust God, and we start walking a little bit. And it's not like Peter, when he was walking on the water and took his eyes off of Jesus and started, Peter didn't start sinking because he was really impressed with his water walking skill. He saw the storm. 
<laughs> There's a lot of us, though, that we get in trouble. Are you ready? We get impressed with ourselves. We get impressed with our water walking skills. And God has been taking us all along. God has been leading us all along. God has been caring all along. God has been loving all along. And so we start to think, I got this down. I'm good at this now. And there's just, there's just a way that we find ourselves understanding that it's not us. And we think that God has abandoned us. Can I just encourage you to trust that he will never leave you or forsake you? Emily, I want you to come. <laughs> We're going to pray in just a moment. He says, I'm making all things new. <laughs> Trust that I'm with you. Trust that he has completed it. Now, I know for a lot of us, this might be an overarching statement this morning because you're specifically going through maybe certain situations that okay fine I, I hear what you're saying but please give me a break I got a lot of stuff going on in my life just saying trust God come on trust in the Lord with all of your heart lean not to your own understanding are you ready in all your ways transparency I like to live that a little bit like this trust in the Lord with all of your heart lean not on your own understanding but in your chosen ways in the ways that you're comfortable with acknowledge no that's not what it says it's total surrender total surrender trust me he says in the little things and the big things. See, I'm praying even as you leave here today, we're going to have great fellowship. Josh is going to come in just a moment, and we're going to be closing the service in a little bit different way after we pray. And see, we're going to have a lot of great conversation. But I'm still praying that at some point in the car ride home, at some point in a prayer after the service, or sometime this week, you're going you're gonna to remember, whether you wrote it down or not, you're going to remember because you're going to have to face up to a situation, all right, where's my trust going to come from here? What am I trusting in? My circumstances, my finances that aren't there, the relationships that are broken. God, I need you. Trust me. In all of your ways, trust me. Why? Because he is here. He's here. He's in you. And the brokenness all around you, is going to be overwhelming at times, but I promise you, I believe the strength of the Holy Spirit just gives us strength. Sometimes there's just enough strength. That's why I love when Pastor Josh read that prayer this morning, the Lord's Prayer, our prayer. Give us today our daily bread. How, how would I pray that? Lord, give me a six-month supply. No. Lord, give me today because I know that you'll supply every need according to your riches and glory. Give me today. Sometimes we just make it through a day. But it's a powerful thing to look back and see where God has brought you from.
Amen. Now, over the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about just some very simple things that, that point us back to trusting God, that He is the way. We are His people. There's a plan for our lives, but we have to embrace it, and it starts with us simply saying, I believe. I trust. I trust what God has said. I trust what God is doing, and I trust that He'll complete it. Amen? Let's all stand. you'll just bow your heads, please, just in reverence, just for a moment. Maybe you're here this morning, you say, John, I'm 20 years old, I'm 30 years old, and I've never really put my trust in anything but myself. But I want to trust Jesus. My life is not where I believe it should be. I, I want to trust Him. Just raise your hand. Maybe you're in your 30s or your 40s, maybe 50s, maybe even your 60s, and you're saying, you know, I'm a self-made individual. I've got life under control. I just want to encourage you this morning, um, when you put your head on your pillow at night, you'll know all the truth. You know the truth. God speaks to you in those lonely moments. Would you put your trust in Him? What would it look like if you trusted the King of kings and Lord of lords? What would it look like if you knew that the individual who created all things, that there is no one who can force him or no one who could overtake him? He was the one who had your back. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we come to you today. Lord, we, not, we do not even come in our own strength. <clears throat> Lord, for some of us this morning, we feel beaten, we feel depleted. And Lord, for some of us, and we thank you, those powerful days, wonderful days of celebration. We thank you for all that you're doing. But God, today I pray that we all can turn our hearts to you and say, we trust you. We trust that you love us. We trust that you died for us. Lord, and because of that, we we run full, full-heartedly after your presence and after your word, not to do it our way, but that we now trust your way. And God, I just pray that we hear, we hear you speak to us in clarity, Lord, through your word. Lord, as John was prophesying, he's trying to tell us what's going to happen in the future by even looking to the past. You set them free from, from Egypt. Victory after victory. Even in Babylon, Lord, they, they lived through exile, but Lord, then you brought them out. Lord, I pray that we just understand no matter what we're living through, you'll bring us out. And you who have begun that work in us will complete it. So we trust you, Lord. Now, God, we just give you the praise. Lord, I pray that you would just bless and strengthen. I pray that you would touch families. Thank you for allowing us to celebrate this powerful new life of Ava. Lord, let it be a sign and a symbol to us that you are doing a new thing in all of us. Lord, I pray that we not miss it. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah. 
Thank you for listening to today's message. If you want to hear more, you can find our entire archive on our website at graceriverva.com. Also, if this message has touched you in any way, we would love to connect with you. Do this by filling out a connection card at graceriverva.com connect. From all of us at Grace River Church, have a blessed day.